All right, ladies and gents, this is your man, L. Jamal, coming in through for your midweek, and you are officially never out of bounds. This is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. Well, let's get right into it today. We got a, we got a few things to talk about, so we're going to start it off with the war on the street like we always do. And a couple of months ago, I know I reported on how uh, journalists in Mexico were failing so well, being that they were facing murder, assault, kidnap so on and so forth well they aren't feeling so faring so well in the european union as well uh recently the body of victoria marinova who was 30 years old was found in rusa bulgaria which is situated right next to the danube river she was beaten raped and then subsequently strangled three journalists have been beat uh, actually three journalists have been killed in the european union this year if you're not too sure what the european union is excuse me it's all the countries that cons uh, consist of italy germany the uk etc you know just the european union i believe they formed somewhere around 2003 something like that maybe even earlier than that excuse me uh but Bur B bulgarian journalists such as herself uh, have been investigating politicians and businessmen businessmen for certain corruption uh usually dealing with the distribution of the funds given out by the eu now she was working for a uh, television network called tvn where she hosted two shows the organization for security and cooperation in Europe. So this is not just some, of course, she will be considered a local reporter, uh, but she was just not some just run-of-the-mill reporter at that. She hosted two shows. Uh, if anything, they were pretty much, at least on a Bulgarian, they were on a Bulgarian national level, and she was somebody who was well-known. Now, other reporters such as Daphne uh, Coruna uh, Galieza from Malta and also Jan Kusiak uh, from Slovakia were murdered for exposing pertinent information on offshore accounts and tax fraud. And this is pretty much, you know, what we're, you know, what we're finding out about our officials, uh, that they're very crooked. They're very, um, you know, uh, they're cheating, uh, of course, in many different ways, not even, you know, talking about politics. Uh, uh, but, you know, just outside ventures, of course, we got tax fraud. Our our president is, you know, currently uh, being questioned for some of those things. Of course, I talked about the article that was just released by him, by the New York Times. And, you know, you got to you got to understand it. You know, in this country, you know, they'll just call it, you know, our, our regime that we have now will call it fake news. It's fake. Don't, you know you know, listen to it. And all these other countries, you know, they really got it bad. They'll just be, they'll get iced. They'll get, you know, knocked off. And we're seeing that. And, uh, and, you know, like I said, this is, uh, in terms of, uh, Miss Marinova, she was a well-known, you know, television host from Bulgaria. Uh, this is somebody that people knew this was in somebody that was in people's homes and, you know, at least on the, on the television set and these other reporters as well. Uh, these are prominent reporters, reporters that are seasoned veterans in the game. And it just seems to me that they are uncovering these, these so quote unquote secrets. It's not that they're really a secret because we should already be knowing this. You know, we have allowed our aristocracy you know, to become our rulers. We didn't pay attention. We just figured, oh, we're clearing the swamp or it's not the same politician. No, you needed a politician because at least a politician would understand. Now, albeit, you know, you want the right politician, of course, but I, w I would rather have a politician than an arist ar aristocrat uh, giving me my laws. That's just me. That's just me. That's why we're in the situation we are in now, in my opinion.
Uh, but we're gonna take a quick break, everybody. Uh, we're gonna actually, actually, you know what? Before we do that, I want to get into one quick thing uh, about uh, Kavanaugh. Of course, he was confirmed on Saturday uh, by a vote of fifty to forty-eight. So, of course, uh, you know, like I was saying before, you know. They were prop. They were, you know, more than likely going to push him through. Uh, of course, this was overwhelmingly Republican. I believe fifty Republicans voted yes, forty-eight Democrats said no. Uh, but there was one Democrat that did agree. Uh, this was Joe Manchin from West Virginia. You know, West Virginia is a conservative state, anyways. We pretty much already knew he was going to align uh, with them. Uh, I heard that there was, from what I researched, there was a strong contingent amongst his local, uh, you know, his local constituents to push that vote in. So, uh, but then, uh, but then again, I come across another article that's talking about swing voters, uh, really, even more so. Uh, on the fence now, or really more so, uh, not in agreement with what was done. So, uh, it's it's a very difficult situation right now. But what I would suggest people is if they really do feel some type of way, there's something called the midterm election. And if you feel like you know you've been mistreated or mis this situation has been mishandled, uh, maybe you should take it up that way. This is this is probably your last opportunity to do so because if the Republicans uh, do take control of the of the House and the Senate, then we'll be in even more uh, shenanigans. So if you are against the shenanigans, I suggest you get out and vote. Uh, I will be talking about I will be previewing that soon because that will be at least I know in California uh, that will be in the next month uh, the midterm elections for us. So uh, keep your eyes out, everybody, uh, as the as the kids will tell you, stay woke. I just say stay in the know, stay knowledgeable. Don't go to sleep at all. You shouldn't have been sleeping in the first place. Uh, we have to stay vigilant, stay ready. And because this is the type of things that they're doing uh, in different countries, a little bit worse, as you can see, they're knocking off their journalists here. We're just discrediting them. We're doing our best to discredit them, despite you know hearing con you know all this contrary reports about any and everybody. You know, there's reports about you know there's 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 you know reports about Trump. There's reports about Clinton. So uh, we have to take all that for you know give all that its its attention and it's you know it's just you know journalistic you know, do. And so if we're not going to do that, then there's no reason to complain. If we're just going to listen to the president, uh, which I don't know if that's the brightest idea or ever, and don't get me wrong, you know, there, there is some sensationalization with certain media outlets, uh, including CNN. I'll give you that. But just because it says Trump, you know, did this back in the past or Trump is doing this now that, and it might not be, it might be negative does not necessarily make it not true. I think, you know, there is some shady stuff he's doing, but I'll be the first to tell you there's something more to that with Russia than meets the eye. But that's neither here nor now. We're going to take a quick break, y'all. When we come back, we're going to talk some college football. We're going to go, go over the uh, top 25, and then we're also going to go over the conference standings as well, y'all. So we'll be right back. All right, y'all, so we're going to get back into this. I told you guys I had the top 25 for the college football scene, and uh, we're just going to break it down real quick. I like to break it down uh, first with the top four because, of course, of the college football playoff, they only take the best four teams. So we're going to talk about them first, break them down just a quick, you know, just say a couple little things about them. And I like to talk about five to ten because, you know, if one of those teams were to take a loss, they're more than likely 
are going to get replaced uh, by you know a team five to ten. So we're going to keep those teams in the wing. They're going to we're going to talk a little bit about them next, and then we'll just go through the rest of the top twenty-five. But uh, let's go right ahead with number one. We got Alabama sitting there at six and zero, uh, still the cream of the crop right now. Uh, their quarterback Tua Vangloa. Uh, I know I might have butchered that name, but forgive me. Uh, but he uh, definitely is a Heisman candidate. Definitely is the reason why they're you know who they are. Uh, definitely, a, we definitely have the number one. They definitely have the number one defense that hasn't changed. Nick Saban is one of the best defensive minds in college football at the moment, and this is just why they're dominant. And number two, we got Georgia. Uh, they're coached by a former assistant of Nick Saban, actually his former defensive coordinator, Kirby Smart. He also has them on the right track, both sides of the ball. They have the, I believe, the first best offensive line in the country. Uh, nobody rated above, uh, below a seventy-five, and this is according to uh, college football reports. Uh, now, they, uh, now along with the solid offensive line, they do have a good running game headed by Elijah Holyfield. Like I said before, that is the son of heavyweight champion, three-time heavyweight champion, Evander Holyfield. He's doing his thing. They also have solid solid quarterback play as well. Uh, they're likely – I'm not – I think they're going to be meeting each other uh, at some point this season near the end, but if not – Definitely in the conference championship game, that being Alabama and Georgia. So they're going to pretty much, you'll pretty much see who the best team is in the country in that game. Uh, number three, we got Ohio State. They're also undefeated as well, as well sitting at six and zip. I don't know if they can go through the gauntlet of the Big 12, of the Big 10, excuse me, this year. I think they might, they're on upset alert, in my opinion, in Michigan. A uh, couple other games. They just, you know, it's not it's not so much that I don't believe in Ohio State. It's just that I I think their conference is a solid conference that they could take an L in at any time. So they have to be on point. Uh, Clemson, they're at number four. They're at 6-0. and oh. uh, There was a scare with Trevor Lawrence, uh, but he was able to – he was cleared to play on Saturday. They had a monster game against Wake Forest, winning 63-3. I think, you know, at this point, they're solid where they're at at number four. I just think that since there's a perception that the ACC is down this year as a conference, uh, L could definitely knock them out of the top four and in, in, in their championship hopes. They don't want to lose at any point, but uh, I think they are on upset alert. Uh, they're going to have to go through NC State at one point, if not now uh, during the regular season. Or if not now during the regular season and during conference championship week, they're going to have to see each other for the conference championship, unless they're in the same division, which means they're definitely going to have to play each other. Uh, now, going on to the top five, actually five to ten, we got Notre Dame. They're at 6-0, and uh, still undefeated. They had a good win this weekend. Uh, West Virginia, they're on top of the Big 12, and they're on at they're at 6, standing at 6 right now. They're at 5-0. and They haven't really – well – I'll take that back. Well, no, no, they haven't really played anybody yet. No, I'll just say I'll just keep it like that. They haven't played Texas and they haven't gone through Oklahoma yet. I don't know if they beat both those teams, but if they beat both those teams, I would actually make make a case just because I don't think the ACC or ACC is as strong as them probably knocking down uh, Clemson at one point if they're able to get through those two monster games. At number seven, we got Washington. They're sitting at five and one, and it's an intriguing five and one. 
Uh, I definitely think they're on upset alert this weekend to Oregon. Oregon's playing a lot better defensively. They're playing a lot. They have a different identity offensively. They're still trying to find themselves, I feel. Uh, but this is this is a game where they can score. Uh, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. They have a first-round uh, draft pick potential uh, quarterback in Justin Herbert. Uh, they definitely have the running back. So look for Oregon to take them to the limit like we did Stanford. I think we learned a lot from that Stanford game. Like I said, I, I'm going. I'm not going to say the Ducks are going to win that game, but I'm definitely hitting the upset, the upset button on that one. Uh, Penn State, they're at number eight. They're at four and one. They've also taken an L as well uh, early in the season. Now, I also think just because of you know just how difficult the gauntlet of the Big Ten, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, you know they have some sneaky good teams. Uh, I don't see Penn State maintaining just a one loss. They might even drop two. Uh, so look, that's just me. Uh, we got Texas at nine. Uh, they are five, they are at five and one at this moment. I like them. Uh, they definitely seem to be. I wouldn't say. I th- I would say that they're back. They've only lost. They lost a game earlier this season. Uh, there wasn't a great loss. Uh, they, actually, they lost to Maryland. I know that's gonna not. That's gonna you know have some people giving them a knock. Uh, Maryland played a good game though, but they haven't really played great football since. So that's also gonna uh, be a knock against Texas as well. Uh, but I do think the the win against Oklahoma did boost their boost their credibility up a lot more. And they're gonna have to go. And since they don't have any divisions in the Big Twelve, they're gonna have to go through West Virginia too. And since West Virginia is at number six, look for that to be a good game that pushes either one of them to the top. You know, especially if somebody like Clemson or uh, Ohio State takes an L. But I'll be honest with you. I don't really see uh, Georgia or Alabama getting – I know they have to play each other uh, at some point this season, but I don't think a loss between a, either one of them, you know, when they play each other, is going to knock them out of the top four. They got so much bias for the, the SEC. They think the SEC is the cream of the crop in, in college football. They're pretty much – I would think they're going to pretty much let one of them slide and stay at number four if they take an L. That's my opinion. So it's imperative for certain, a lot of these teams to just get those marquee wins, keep winning because – uh, they're not gonna. They're they're gonna probably let this be, you know, another SEC dominated year. That's just my opinion. And at number ten, we got UCF. They're at five and zero right now. They're still undefeated from last year. They're getting no love. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know what they need to do. Uh, but definitely playing in the conference USA, a smaller conference or mid. They will call it a mid major conference. It's not doing them any type of favors. But what can you do? You can only play who they who they schedule in front of you. So uh, they have. Have to bear the brunt of that, even though they've been undefeated since last year. Uh, it just sucks. They just, just it's, the win streak just keeps going. At number eleven, we're just gonna finish go through the top twenty-five real quick. Uh, we got Oklahoma. They're at five and one. At twelve, we got Michigan at five and one. LSU is thirteen. They're also at five and one. Four, uh, Fourteen, we got Florida. Another five and one team. So you you see a pattern here. You start to see some of the one-loss teams. We got Wisconsin here at four and one. Two, Miami in Florida. They're at five and one. Uh, Oregon number seven. 17, they're at 4-1. Kentucky, they took their first loss of the season. They dropped all the way down to 18. Uh, at number 19, we have Colorado, who's still undefeated, which I, I would want to see them ranked a little bit higher. 
uh, but I, I, I know the, the committee is going to talk about competition and just level of play. So that's probably why they're at 19. We got NC State, also another undefeated team. This throws me off. They're at 5-0, and no, but they're at number 20. We got Auburn, who suffered another setback last week, and they dropped all the way to 21. At 22, we got Texas A&M. They're at 4-2 with that win against Kentucky. It got them back in the top 25. We got USF, University of Southern Florida. They're at 5-0. and zip. And uh, we also got Mississippi State at, at four and two, sitting at two and twenty-four. And around at the top twenty-five, we got Cincinnati coming in at six and zero. Oh. They're also undefeated as well. We're gonna take another quick break, and when we come back, like I said, we're gonna break down this conference standings, and also we're gonna get into some NFL as well. So we'll be right back, y'all. All right, so we're back, and we're still talking college football. Like I said, we're going to go over these uh, conference standings real quick. And let's just get started with the American Conference. In the Western Division, we got UCF Central Florida on top, 2-0 in conference play. At 2, we have South Florida. They're at 1-0 in conference play. Then we have Temple at 2-0 in conference play. Cincinnati is 2-0 in conference play as well. And at 5-6, and six, we got Connecticut and East Carolina, who are both winless in conference play uh, at this point. In the Eastern Division, we got Houston on top, 1-0 in conference play. Then we have SMU and Navy coming in at 2-3. and three. Actually, we have Tulane also at 4. They both are all 4 are at 1-1 one through one, or both at 1-1 one one in conference play. Then we also have Memphis and Tulsa bringing up the rear. Memphis is 1-1 one one in conference play, but Tulsa is winless at 0-2. Now, so far, uh, the top teams, as you can see, are UCF in Houston. I think UCF continues continues the pattern. They might even finish up undefeated again. But again, since you can already kind of see who they have to go through, you can see where the selection committee would definitely not necessarily take them seriously. Uh, there's def they got to go through North Carolina, Connecticut teams that don't even have conference wins at this point. They're gonna, you know, selection committees. The selection committee is gonna look harshly on that. They always have, even when there was something called the BCS, where they would just pick teams pretty much. They will still look harshly on, you know, strength of schedule and exactly who you're playing. They don't just let's say just say, oh, you're undefeated, you've been undefeated for two or three years. And it kind of sucks because in their in their uh defense, which is different than teams like Boise or TCU, which would have been, you know, those type of BCS buster teams, they didn't keep they didn't keep the wing up the next season. They always would drop a game late in the season or they'll drop a game mid season that very next season or even in early early in the season. Uh this team has kept it up. They they're still undefeated. Let's see if they can do another undefeated go go another undefeated season, which in a conference like this would be kind of easy. As far as the Eastern Division goes, uh Houston again, I mean they look solid but overall, you know, not so much. They look solid in conference play, that is. But overall, not so much. Their overall record isn't there. South Florida is probably going to be uh, a, a tough competition for UCF. That might, that might, you know, slow them down. Uh, they, they're also uh, undefeated in conference play and in overall play. They're ranked as well. So look out for that game. That game is going to be coming up soon. That will be. A, that's going to probably be the deciding factor. In that, that's going to be the, conf the the de facto conference championship game, in my opinion. Now, moving on to the ACC, a.k.a. the Atlantic Coastal Conference, going with the Atlantic Division at first. And like I said earlier, uh, NC State is on top of this division. They're 2-0. And Clemson, they're at number two right now. They're at 3-0 overall. 
Uh, actually, let's switch that up. I'm sorry. Clemson is number one. NC State is number two. Uh, so they're definitely going to be seeing each other later on this season. So I'm going to be putting, I'm going to be tapping the uh, upset button on that too. I'm going to be taking NC State, not necessarily for the win, but definitely the challenge. And again, if Clemson loses that game, uh, it's a wrap. It's a wrap for them. It's a wrap for Clemson uh, in terms of getting to another playoff. Uh, NC, NC State, on the other hand, I don't know if they automatically move up uh, because of their ranking right now. They're they're already in the twenties right now, and it's so hard. Like I don't I don't see what uh, the you know the ranking committee not not even necessarily the the, the actual uh, top four the people responsible for the top four, but the top twenty five in general. I'm not too sure they're complete. Uh, their complete criteria. Me personally, all the undefeated teams will be within the top ten, top fifteen, just based on who they're playing. I will break it down from there. But if they're if they're undefeated, they're above anybody with a loss. I mean, maybe with the exception of maybe Washington or Penn State. But that's my opinion. Uh, but moving on to number three, we got Boston College at one and one. At four, we have Syracuse at one and two. At number five, Florida State one and three, taking a real big step back. Uh, Coach Willie Willie Taggart, uh, he. Has has been able to turn things around just yet. Uh, I think their starting quarterback, Francois, got injured again, uh, or either that, or he's underperforming. So it's just an underperforming situation. They recruited, they recruited, they recruited pretty solid, but uh, uh, going into this season, but it hasn't translated. At six, we got Louisville at zero and three, and at number seven, we have Wake Forest at zero and two. In the Coastal Division, we got Miami at two and zero oh. in conference play. Virginia Tech is at number two with two at uh, two and zero oh as well in conference play, although they had the big uh, loss earlier this year to uh, Old Dominion, a former FCS Division II school, so I don't got no real love for them. Uh, number three, we got three, we have Pittsburgh sitting at two and one. At, at four, we have VA, Virginia at one and one. At number five, we have North Carolina also at one and one. And at six, we have Georgia Tech one and two. And Duke is number seven, last place, uh, zero and one in conference play. Now, it looks to me, uh, of course, Miami and Virginia Tech are going to have to square off eventually to figure out who the Coastal uh, winner is. But I think the real winner of this division is going to be really NC State or Clemson again. I think Clemson uh, is probably going to eat, eat that game out against NC State. But if anybody were to beat them, it's going to be the Wolfpack. I'll say that now. Uh, so look for the championship to be won by either the top two in the Atlantic. All right, moving on to the Big 12. Uh, we got West Virginia. They're sitting at top. They're at 3-0. At number two, we have Texas, who's also 3-0. They just came off the Red, the Red River rivalry. Uh, a big win there against Oklahoma, who's sitting at number three. That uh, Who's sitting there at number three at 2-1. Then we have Baylor at number four, who's also 2-1. We also have TCU at number five, who's also sitting at 1-1. Texas Tech is at six, sitting at 1-1. Oklahoma State took a big L to Iowa State. Uh, they're sitting at one, one and two in conference play and number seven in the conference. Eight is Iowa State, who just got that win. They're also sitting at one and two. Then we have Kansas sitting there at zero and three, and also Kansas State at zero and three. So Kansas is not getting no love as a state. They just... They just suck at football. I'm sorry. Just keeping it lit. As far as the Big 12 goes, 
Of course, West Virginia still has to see Texas and Oklahoma if they're able to get past them. Like I said, I don't see why they don't they don't get consideration for a top four spot for the playoff, especially if somebody like a Clemson or Ohio State should lose. Uh, Texas, same thing. If they're able to, if they're able to keep it going, uh, keep it going in conference play. Uh, also, like I said, take out West Virginia. They've already taken out Oklahoma. Uh, definitely look for them to to re solidify their spot. I, I don't know about Oklahoma's chances at this point. Um, I, I don't even know if they can get past, you know, the rest of everybody else in their, in their division right now. Uh, they might they might get shocked by one of these other teams. I don't know yet, uh, but I'm not buying them to, to build their way back. That's just my opinion. Uh, but moving on, we got the Big Ten. Let's go to the Eastern Division real quick. Uh, we got Ohio State on top. They're at, they are 3-0 in conference play. Then Michigan is at number two. They're also 3-0 in conference play. Maryland is number three at 1-1. One uh, four, we have Penn State also at one and one. At five, Michigan, they're also one and one. And then at six, we have Indiana, who's sitting at one and two. And at seven, we have Rutgers, who's sitting at one, actually, actually excuse me, zero and three. Uh, in the West, we have Wisconsin, they're two and oh in conference play. At number two, we have Northwestern, who's two and one in conference play, got a big win against Michigan State last weekend. Uh, at three, we have Iowa, who's sitting at one and one. At four, we have Purdue, who's sitting at one and one, one and one. At five, we have Illinois, who's also at one and one. And we at six and seven, we have two winless teams here: uh, Minnesota and Nebraska. Uh, zero and two for for Minnesota in conference play, and Nebraska still struggling there at zero and three. So, and as far as the Big Ten goes, I definitely like Ohio State's chances. Uh, they're gonna have to go through Michigan again. Like I said, that's the rivalry game. That's gonna pretty much determine who wins that division uh wisconsin uh look for them uh you know they might get a little uh they might get a scare from northwestern maybe even purdue uh but look for them to to, to win the west and uh it'll probably be ohio state wisconsin like i said before i, I have both of these guys in the running to to meet each other and i'm still gonna go with ohio state to win that game but let's move on to the conference usa uh we have florida international on top of the eastern division they're sitting at one and actually one and oh in conference play uh they have a better overall record than middle tennessee who's two and oh in uh conference play they're sitting at number two uh at three we have charlotte who's one and one at four we have florida Florida Atlantic, who's one and one. At five, we have Marshall, who's also five and one. At six, we have Old Dominion, who's sitting at zero and three. But then again, they have that big one against Virginia Tech, so I'm gonna give them some love for that. And then at number seven, we have Western Kentucky, who's sitting at uh, zero and three in conference play as well. Uh, we have in the Western Division, we have UT San Antonio, uh, who's sitting there on top. Two to zip in conference play. Uh, we have UAB, Alabama, Birmingham. They're at two and zero in the conference play. Uh, and quick fact about them is that their football team was at some point, at one point, so bad that they actually stripped uh, their whole football program. They didn't even have one for two years. They just had the stadium there, but now they they've re re revamped it. And for the past couple of years, they've had winning records. They've been going to bowl games. So quick fact for y'all right there. Uh, Southern Mississippi. Uh, they're at one. One and zip at, in conference play. They're at number three. Uh, number four, we have Louisiana Tech coming in at one and one in conference play. At number five, we have North Texas at one and one. And number six and number seven.
seven, we both have two Texas teams, Rice out of Houston, and uh, we have UT El Paso. They're both zero and two in conference play. And as far as that conference goes, I definitely have Florida International probably taking that. Uh, they just seem to be the better team to me. They look better uh, when I watch them, so that's just me. Uh, but moving on to the MAC, aka the Mid American, uh, in the Eastern Division we got Buffalo on top, two and zero in conference play. At number two we have Ohio. At number three we have Miami of Ohio sitting there at two and one. At number four we have Bowling Green who is zero and two in conference play. At number five we have Akron and Kent State bringing up the rear. Like I said, five and six. Akron is at zero and one. Kent State is at zero and two. In the Western Division, we got Michigan State on top. They're at two and zero oh in conference play. Then we got Toledo, who is one and zero oh in uh, in conference play. Then we also have Northern Illinois, who is three and zero oh in conference play, but three and three overall, which puts them right behind Toledo, who's three and two overall. Now at number four, we got Ball State, who's number who's one and one in conference play. Then we have Eastern Michigan and Central Michigan, both both winless, five and six respectively zero and three zero and two respectively so they both have no wins and in terms of the mac right now i'm liking western michigan i like their offense however buffalo has a great offensive line too they also have a good defense overall so that's pretty much going to be a championship game i'm calling it right now as of today buffalo and western michigan for the middle american and then we're going on to the mountain west we almost done here uh we can go through the mountain division we got utah state on top one and oh in conference play I think they deserve uh, top 25 consideration. They're 4-1 overall. They also had a big win against BYU a couple weeks ago. So I definitely think they deserve top 25 consideration. And number two, we have New Mexico coming in at one and zip. Bob Davies trying to turn things around. Uh, we have number three. Boise State coming in at one and one in conference play. At four, we have Colorado State coming in at one and one. At five and six, we have Air Force and Wyoming. They're zero. They're both at zero and two in conference play. Now moving on to the Western Division, we got Hawaii on top. Uh, they're three and zero oh in conference play. San Diego is one and zero oh in conference play. Fresno State is one and zero oh in conference play. They both bring it up two and three. At four, we have Nevada, who's one and one. At five. We have UNLV who's zero and one, and at six we have San Jose who's also winless at zero and two. I look, I I like Utah State winning this this conference. That's me. Uh, Hawaii is solid, but I think they'll eventually lose to Fresno or San Diego, probably both. Uh, but I just think Fresno this year Utah State has enough done. I think they have a better quarterback this year than both Fresno and San Diego State, but. Back, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, I'm going for Utah State in the Mountain West. All right, y'all. So we're going on to the Pac-12, starting in the North. We got uh, Washington on top, three and zero in conference play. At uh, two, we have Stanford, two and one in conference play. At three, we have Washington State, who's also two and one in conference play. Here comes Oregon. For a one and one in conference play. Cal is zero and two in conference play. They're at number five in the division. And then at six, we have Oregon State. They're zero and three in conference play. Now, uh, in the south, we have Colorado. 
Uh, they are at 2-0 in conference play. Arizona's 2-1 in conference play. USC is 2-1 in conference play. They're at number three. Utah is 4 four in conference play. They're 1-2. At five, we have Arizona State, who's also 1-2 in conference play. And then we have UCLA, who's 0-2 in conference play and 0-5 overall. So it's it's been a difficult year for them. I'm, I'm feeling for them. It ain't working. It ain't working right now. So, uh, oh, and uh, also, as far as this division goes, I, you know what? Washington has a very difficult game this week, and I've already said it's, a, it's an upset waiting to happen. Um, we'll see how the Washington-Oregon the Washington game goes. But as of now, I do have um, Washington as my favorite to win the Pac-12 North. As a South, I've been uh, – well, you know, we'll see how it goes. Colorado is number one right now. I still had USC as my favorite personally. Uh, I'm not too sure how it all finishes up, but I definitely, I definitely uh, am surprised by Colorado. They've been playing really well too. Uh, so I look for, I still got Washington winning uh, the Pac-12. Uh, I'm not too sure, you know, who's going to represent the South right now. But uh, yeah, we're going to move on quickly to the, the SEC. Now, as far as the SEC goes, uh, in the East, we got Georgia on top. They're at 4-0 in conference play. Then we got Georgia coming, I mean, sorry, Florida at 2. They're 3-1. and uh, Kentucky is 3-1 and in conference play. They just took their first loss to Texas A&M last weekend. At 4, we have South Carolina. They're 2-2. Two two. Vanderbilt is sitting at 0-2. At 6, we have Tennessee, who's also 0-2 in conference play. And at number 7, we got Missouri, who's at 0-2 in conference play. And in the West, we got Alabama. They're 3-0 and in conference play, looking like the cream of crop cream of the crop as usual they're looking like they're going to go to the conference championship game as usual at two we have texas a&m who's two and one in conference play we have three we have at three lsu who's also two and one in conference play at four we have auburn one and two in conference play uh mississippi state is at Five, they're also one and two in conference play. At six, we have Ole Miss, who's zero and two in conference play. And at the bottom, we got Arkansas coming in at zero and two in conference play. Now we're gonna take another quick break, y'all. We come back, we're gonna talk a little bit in the NFL news. We have some news, and also I'm gonna go over my top seven power rankings, uh, my personal. These are the teams that I think are hot. And then we're going to also go over to Monday Night Football. Going to talk about Drew Brees and his record-setting performance a little bit too. All right, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, so we back into this. We're going to get into the NFL real quick. And yesterday, the Jags signed Jamal Charles to a one-year deal. Uh, they basically needed some, you know, some death along the running back position. Uh, Leonard Fournette has suffered a hamstring injury. He's been dealing with that uh, the past few weeks, and he's not going to be able to play next well, this week versus the Cowboys. So far, he's only had 71 yards on 20 carries, so not very productive. Uh, T.J. Yelton will be the starter. He has been uh, for the past couple of weeks. Uh, he has about 258 yards and a couple touchdowns, so not so bad. Uh, but we're starting to see Blake Bortles kind of have his, his difficult stretch, so it's going to be imperative that they're able to run the ball just a little bit to supplement that uh like i said jamal charles will just be there just you know just to back everything up uh last year he had the same same type of role in denver he only got about 100 some yards maybe maybe 200 something like that uh but not very productive on his end as well this is coming from somebody who was a, a three-time uh pro baller 
a couple, you know, we had, he had a couple hundred, uh, a thousand yards, fifteen hundred yard seasons at least. Uh, but you know, far cry from where he's at. But uh, he has a job, and he'll be uh, backing up T.J. Yeldon for the next little bit. Uh, now I'm wanting to get into my top seven power rankings. Uh, seven wide number seven because that's my favorite number. So don't bother me about it. I'm just gonna do top seven every time. Uh, but let's get right into it. Uh, we have I have the Rams personally at number one. Uh, they are second. They are second in the league in scoring and yards. Uh, Todd Gurley, uh, he's a great, great back. He had 100 all-purpose yards last week and three touchdowns. However, they are missing uh, Keith Talib. Uh, Marcus Peters didn't really have a great game uh, last week either. So I will give them a little bit of a question mark there, at least to see how you know, just see how well Marcus Peters develops. I know that. Their defense is solid along the defensive line, uh, but without Talib and with Marcus Peters, you know, underperforming just a little bit, uh, you know, they might give up a few yards. They might, you know, even lose a game or two. Uh, they also have poor linebacker play, but they did remedy that. Remedy that, excuse me, by adding inside linebacker Mark Barron, who immediately made his uh, impact felt uh, well last week against the Seahawks. So look for them to get better there. I think they do tighten up along the other defensive end. They're already pretty solid there. Uh, they're not necessarily that far off. You know, they're still a top 10 team defensively. Uh, but look for them to either tighten up or, you know, give up a couple give up a couple losses, maybe maybe potential close ones this season. Uh, moving on to number two, uh, we got the Saints. Uh, they are sitting at 4-1 overall. Uh, they're number one in in the NFC South. Uh, Drew Brees, he is an all-time passing leader. He's sitting at 72,000, 72, excuse me, 103 yards. At this at this point in this season, he's only had, he's had 11 touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, the Saints are number one in scoring and number three in yards. Uh, Mark Ingram came back last week and uh, he he had 12, uh, 12 two touchdowns, excuse me, and uh, he just looked to be uh, back to his old ways. Look for him to be teaming. Without Alvin Kamara again, that tandem was really great last year. It looks like there's no there's no half stepping. Although Kamara didn't uh, have great numbers last week, uh, but again, Mark Ingram did. So uh, we also have uh, 12 team sacks. Their leader in terms of that is Cam Jordan with five. Uh, a lot has been said in the past about New Orleans defenses. Uh, the one time, the one year that they they did win the Super Bowl, they did have a solid defense, uh, at least one that can get turnovers and they hit a lot. Uh, this defense is similar, minus the bounties. Uh, so look for them to really challenge during the course of the season. I think they have one of the better defenses they've ever had, probably the best they've ever had uh, next to the Dome Patrol. Uh, so look for them to be solid this year. At number three, I got Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they're second in scoring. They have 30, 35 points per game. This is all with a, a second year quarterback. Is a quarterback who actually he's a second year quarterback but this is his, really his first year playing so he's still kind of a rookie they're also 15 yards and 12 in the rush so they are balanced uh pat mahomes he has 14 touchdowns with three interceptions this is a, a ratio you do not necessarily see with rookie quarterbacks so i don't know if the trinket ever continues but as of now it's looking mighty good for your boy uh the they, they did suffer uh, a, a injury to the guard, to their offensive line, their guard, Laurent uh, DeVernay Tardif, has been placed, placed on the IR 
I believe it was a uh, yeah fractured leg last week, and uh, he will not be able to play for the rest of the season. So that is help along the offensive line that they're missing out on. Uh, but they are last in overall defense. That's probably their biggest uh, thing that they're gonna have to rectify. I think they're in the conference though, uh, where they might be able to manage. Uh, I know the Raiders can score a lot of points, uh, but again, they can score a lot of points, so they could probably eat that game out. Uh, San Diego can. I'm sorry, Los Angeles, the Chargers. Oh my God, uh, the Chargers uh, will be. Able probably be able to score on them too but again uh they they can outscore they can outscore people so uh, you know with that being said i would still like to see their defense improve um if they're gonna really if they're gonna make a playoff stand i mean every i mean they're and don't get me wrong see and this is the thing about the the chiefs that everybody likes to you know talk about you know and I don't think people talk about, but they always look good in the beginning of the year. They always look good around week five, week six. I really want to know what they look like going into week seven and really, I mean, week 17 and really into the playoffs. They lose a division. They lose in a division new game. So uh, they're not a team that, don't get me wrong, like they look great in the regular season. They're a great regular season team. Don't get me wrong. They might even win the AFC West, but will they even win the first round game? I, that's going to be the main question with them. And when they do that, I'll really start taking them more seriously. Uh, at five, uh, excuse me. At four, I got the Cincinnati Bengals. They are they are first in the AFC North currently. They're fourth in points. Uh, they get ninety five point yards uh, rushing a game, which is twenty third in the league, which I don't like. I think they need to be a little bit more balanced. I think that's the one thing holding them back. Other than that, they have a great defense. Uh, they have people who can tackle. I'm not, you know, again, you know, I'm not going to really give Marvin Lewis too much love because, again, he hasn't won play, playoff games either. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he always puts a great regular season team together, a team that can win a conference, you know, at least a regular season divisional title together. Uh, I will give him that. Uh, but anyways, let's move on to number five. I got the Patriots. Uh, they are currently three and two uh, overall in overall and they're first in the AFC East. They're on the uh, currently on a two-game winning streak, which people, you know, that's not a whole lot, but I think it's significant because there was a lot that was being said just about how they were falling and, you know, just there was that rift between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. A lot of people made a lot of a lot of nothing about that. Uh, I still think there's a rift, but it's not going to be enough to stop them from winning. Um, they beat well, and they, but the thing about it is their next couple of games are going to be really important, uh, in my opinion. Uh, they're going to be playing against the best offense. Uh, they're going to be hosting Kansas City, the best offense, a team that they might they should be able to score upon. So that might be a, a barn burner. They'll have to be able to keep up the velocity. That would be my question there. Can they keep up? And uh, the next game they're going to be playing at Chicago, the team who gives up the least amount of points in the league. The question in that game is, can't will they be able to score? Will they be able to keep up defensively uh, on the other end? And finally, my question for them will be, uh, who will Josh Gordon's role be? Will you know? Will his impact? You know, will he start playing an impactful role? Uh, what is his? You know, what's his assignments going to be? Is he going to be a factor? And if he is a factor, is he mature enough to step up to the plate and help out the Patriots? Because if he is, I think he helps out in both of these games. I think he's just enough offense. He provides just enough offense to have a threat against the Bears, and you know it. It keeps them, I think, on par in terms of what. Kansas City can do. Uh, I think they can run the ball evenly. They they have uh, similar type backs who can run and catch. So look for that game to go either way. Now in terms of the Chargers, I got them at six. Uh, they are second in the AFC West. They just beat the Oakland Raiders twenty six to ten, and I think in a good game for them. 
they currently have a plus three turnover ratio, which is really good, which is which means that they are forcing turnovers and they are them they are themselves not turning the ball over. That is good. Uh, they're seventh in total yards per game. Uh, they are thirteenth in passing and eleventh in eleventh in rushing, which means they have a very balanced offense. I think that goes a long way when winning games. If you can run the ball and pass the ball, more than likely you're going to be able to score the ball, and scoring helps you win just as much as defense helps you win. Uh, they have a pretty easy schedule so far the next couple of weeks. They'll be playing at the Browns this week. I know the Browns can do you know a lot of different things, and they're believing in Baker Mayfield, but I think at this point, uh, Phillip Rivers is way too, way too seasoned, and I think the Chargers are way too motivated defensively to let a game like that slip. Uh, they'll also be playing against Tennessee. Tennessee is another low-scoring team. Uh, I definitely think they can outscore Tennessee easily. Uh, so look for, those to, look for those games to be pretty easy, especially that Tennessee game. And at number seven, I got the Bears. The only reason I got them at seven, despite them having a three-and-run record, is because of their bye week. I got a chance to see the rest of these teams play. They look to be pretty good to me. Uh, so I got the Bears at number seven. But in a lot of different places, you'll see them at around seven, too. So... I was right about it. I guess I feel like I'm right about that. Uh, Mr. Trubisky, uh, he had a 38, uh, 38 QBR rating, 38% quarterback rating uh, through the first three weeks, uh, which was 25th. But last week he was able to go off. He had six touchdowns, 407 yards, and he had a 98.2 quarterback rating. So uh, look, their development and their success, they are at 3-1 and one right now, which is good enough to be at first in the division for now. Uh, uh, of course, uh, Green Bay hasn't really played up to their standards. Uh, Minnesota hasn't really played up to their standards. But this is all yet. We still have, you know, a good amount of the season left. We're almost at the halfway point. We're not necessarily there yet. We're one more week away. Uh, but uh, with that being said, uh, Mitch Trubisky is still going to have to come around. He's going to have to be that guy that they can rely upon. He's going to have to have more. I'm not saying he, he can have more 400-yard games or six touchdown games, but he's going to have to have at least two touchdowns in the game. Uh, he's going to have to have at least 230, 250 yards just to keep that offense balanced because as of now, Jordan Howard is only at sitting at th- 203 yards total and, and one touchdown, and Tariq Cohen only has 139 yards. So he's definitely going to going to have to do his part to to develop uh but they only have 68 points they've only allowed 68 points in total which is the best in the nfl khalil mack is leading the way he's a turnover machine so they do have help on that side of the ball the question with them is can they consistently consistently score and can they consistently move down the field those are going to be the big questions that's what's been holding them back in my opinion um you know just overall mr Trubisky is going to have to become a better quarterback and grow up in front of our eyes in, in order for them to either win, well, to A, win a division and, and to continuously win games and to continuously have success because, again, they're not as balanced as they should be. Their running backs aren't really scoring, and they're not necessarily producing at this point. Uh, give it. I, I'm saying give it time. Uh, hopefully, uh, in time, uh, they become balanced. That would help him out a lot more. But he definitely needs a lot of help right now. Uh, we're going to take one last quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to get you guys up. To, oh, actually, uh, yeah, we are going to take one last break. And I'm going to catch you guys up, get you guys up to date on uh, some Monday Night Football. We're going to talk about, a little bit about Drew Brees and his record-setting performance. Uh, and we're also going to get into some baseball. We're going to wrap everything up with some baseball as well. I'm going to catch you guys up on the playoffs. So uh, we'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all. So we are back, and we're going to wrap everything up for today. 
And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Drew Brees. And uh, he was able to beat down on the Redskins 43-19 Monday night. And uh, there seems to be a trend in which everybody now, you know, starting to recognize just how good of a player he is and uh, all that. And just, oh, my God, everybody's been sleeping on Drew Brees. But, Drew Brees, but you know, he's always been a great player. Um, I saw, you know, I was able to, over time, I've been able to see his college highlights at Purdue. And the same qualities he had, he shows now, he had back then. And it didn't matter what game, didn't matter the rankings, anything like that. Uh, nothing held him back. Uh, I'd say that he has one of the best spirits in football in terms of his drive and his willingness to win and stay involved in his community and to uplift people, and starting with his teammates. And that's what a quarterback is supposed to be about. Uh, in terms of that game Monday night, he had a great game, 26-29, uh, 363 yards, and three touchdowns. And uh, he was able to get two of those touchdowns. He passed two of those touchdowns to one receiver. Uh, he only ended up get, catching three t uh, catches overall, and he went for 111 yards. So efficiently, uh, they are efficient. They move the ball down the field. Uh, I think in his older, you know, with him getting older, he's just getting smarter. Uh, and that team itself is very balanced. They can run the ball. Melvin Ingram came back. He was able to rush for two touchdowns. Again, efficiency. He only had 53 yards, but he was able to score twice. And uh, this is what this is what matters. The points. Uh, the the Saints can get points. They can score. And their defense is coming on quite nicely. They have 12 team sacks overall. Cam Jordan has five sacks. And they can get to the quarterback. They can get turnovers. Uh, this is a team that people, I don't think people are, uh, might might not be on people's Super Bowl radar. They're on mine. Uh, I think they're one of the most complete teams out there. Uh, I definitely think they could take any team to the limit. Uh, we saw what they were able to do against Atlanta, uh, going you know to overtime. Uh, I think you know the sky's the limit, of course. Um, and, and I think from what I saw, of course they they do have that one loss. Uh, but again, I think they're still the most balanced team, and I I trust them. I trust their quarterback a lot more. Uh, but anyways, uh, moving on. Like I said, we're gonna wrap this up. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get you guys up to date with this baseball. Uh, the MLB um, MLB playoffs are going on, of course. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna start with the uh, ALDS game three. Uh, the Astros were able to sweep that series against the Indians. They won that game 11 to three. Their outfielder, uh, both of their outfielders, George Springer, Marvin Gonzalez, they both had great games. Uh, George Springer had three hits, two RBIs. He had two runs on his own. Also, uh, Marvin. Gonzalez, he had two hits as well, uh, getting three RBIs, and Dallas Kuchel had a great game on the mound. He went for five innings. He did give up four hits, but he only allowed two runs. He had a great, he had a lot of help from his defense. Uh, moving on to the NLDS, uh, their game four, uh, the Giants, I'm mean, sorry, the Dodgers were able to wrap up that series, beating the Braves six to two. Manny Machado had his breakout game. He had uh, a, he had a, a Four RBIs. He also had one hit. Uh, he had a home run in the seventh inning. Also, pinch hitter David Free showed off his power as well. He had a home run and two RBIs. And Rich uh, Hill, he had a solid game on the mound. He had a lot of help from his defense, too. Uh, he went for four innings. He gave up four hits, but he only had two earned runs, and he was able to get three strikeouts. Uh, as far as game four in the ALDS, uh, the, the Red Sox were able to come out on top against their dreaded rival, the Yankees. Uh, like I said, they won that series. Uh, shortstop 
Xavier Bogart and uh, second baseman Ian Kinsler both had RBIs. Uh, third baseman Eduardo Nunez, he also helped out with two hits in an RBI. And Rick Porcello, he had a great, awesome game on the mound. He went five innings. He gave up four hits, only had one on a run, and I believe he had seven strikeouts. So he was able to control his stuff on the mound. Uh, the, the, the Yankees, they tried to mount a rally uh, late in the game, but it did not help them. Uh, as far as they go, Neil Walker and Gary Sanchez, the catcher, both had RBIs, but they got zero hits from Aaron Judge and King Carlos Stanton. So all that money they've been spending, all them trades, all that, they're just like the, the Dodgers every now and again. They make all that those money moves, and they still fall flat on their face. As far as pitching goes, CC Sabathia, he uh, from, from Vallejo, Vallejo's own, uh, he went for three innings. He gave up five hits, three earned runs, and two walks, and only had a strikeout. So he struggled. Uh, Boston came to play, came to win that series, although they're two better hitters, in my opinion. Andrew Benatendi and Mookie Betts, the left fielder, they, were, they weren't really a factor in this game. They weren't really a factor in the last couple games in the series but uh they were still able to get it done and they'll be boston will be playing um if i'm not mistaken uh they'll be playing the astros in the next round and on top of that next round uh the dodgers they'll be playing the, the hot shot brewers so it's going to get interesting these series are both going to be interesting so i'm looking forward to seeing those two teams those those four teams face off all right y'all we're going to wrap everything up for today uh next episode we're going to be having a mid-season report for college football going to be talking about some of the, my big my biggest surprises some of the, my biggest disappointments as well as going over some Heisman candidates uh also we're going to be going over uh Thursday night football as well also we're going to be having uh the three takeaways from week 5 uh, also, three uh, questions for week six. Uh, so we're going to have and we're also going to have the war on the street. So, uh, like I said, we're going to wrap this up for today. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you and I hope your day is beautiful. Y'all treat each other really good and uh, one love y'all. Peace out.